Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Way In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin, joined hopefully with Jonathan Miklos tonight. He is on the road, so depending on his reception and how we can hear him depends on how much we'll be able to talk to the young man tonight. A lot to talk about in a short time. We're going to go about an hour, not too much, just discuss some of these coaching changes, the Heisman Trophy. Just, I mean, has the Heisman Trophy out there, has it lost its meaning to you? To me, it it really has. And I just would like to know what everybody else thinks about it. I just don't think it's, it's special uh, anymore like it used to be. And then, yes, when Cam won it, I was happy. Don't get me wrong. But back then, you know, when he played, he actually earned that, that Heisman Trophy on the field. So he earned it on the field and – won a national championship. Well, this year, it's just kind of watered down a little bit. I'm glad to see Baker on the list, but Jonathan, just what do you think about these finalists right now? If you can name off the top of your head, go ahead and do it, but I'm just not that impressed. Uh, neither am I. I mean, look, Baker still deserves to be there. Uh, he, I don't think he's going to win it, but he had a fantastic season. Uh, granted, against the Big 12. Lamar Jackson obviously had a great year. We witnessed that. Uh, I don't think D.D. Westbrook deserves to be there. Yes, he's one of the better receivers in the nation. Uh, but uh, he, if you're going to tell me Dalvin couldn't be there last year because of the injuries, you can't tell me Westbrook can be there this year. Because Westbrook was injured uh, you know, last game of the year. He missed the whole second half of the game. Um, and in the first month of the year, he was all dinged up. Um, Jabril Peppers, where it's, it's fun all the, all the positions he played, he didn't really do anything. I and mean, you're talking about a guy who had one interception, you know, I, it just – that was the only turnover his career. I don't think he was the most deserving defensive player. Um, you know, and Deshaun Watson, who everybody's kind of down on because he's had more interceptions this year. It's not like he's had a terrible year. Uh, but, you know, obviously the interceptions are an issue. I'm with you. I mean, what happens – what has been happening the past, you know, two decades at least, has been we've been talking about the guys who should have won instead of the guys who won. And that's the biggest issue with the Heisman Trust, is that, you know, you go back in 1899, Peter Wark should have beat Ron Day now. There's no doubt about it. Uh, 2001 was just a mess, but that was probably Rex Grossman's Heisman. Uh, you're looking at uh, the Jason White Heisman that should have gone to Larry Fitzgerald. You're looking at the Mark Ingram Heisman that should have gone uh, to Tony Gerhardt. I mean, we, we keep talking about who actually should have won the Heisman, instead of who actually did, and that's my issue with it. Yeah, my issue with Mayfield is, you know, he, I mean, yes, he's a good quarterback, but, I mean, he lost the games that mattered the most. Yeah, he won nine straight. Well, look at that schedule. I mean, my God, that's like beating the sisters of the poor every weekend. And, Jonathan, I'm going to mute you until I bring you back on just to make sure. Uh, but you sounded fine, by the way. I mean, that is not like you usually do, but but good. But, yeah, to bring – I cannot believe that Cook is not invited. Hell, I would have invited Alabama's quarterback or, or Jared – or the Allen kid for Alabama, someone like that, Reuben Foster, somebody besides D.D. Westbrook. He has a 0% chance of winning it. Uh, he has 16 touchdowns this year. He's averaging almost 20 yards a catch, 1,465. But, I mean, when you're playing in this conference, I mean, it's easier to to go for two hundred a game. When you you do that in the SEC, then we'll we'll start talking about it. You do it in the ACC, we'll start talking about it. Do it in the Big Ten, we'll talk about it. But when you do it in the Big Twelve or do it in the Pac Twelve, and we'll talk about it, they actually play a little better defense in the Big Twelve. But yeah, I'm gonna pick Lamar Jackson to win the Heisman Trophy, Jonathan, just because I just think it's just watered down. It's just Watson or Jackson. They should have invited two people there, and that's it. Because think about it. How many – who's going to vote for anybody besides Jackson or Watson? Why are you wasting dinners? Why are you wasting time to bring those other guys? I would much rather have seen somebody from Alabama there than I would Westbrook kids. I, I agree. I don't think Pete Westbrook should be there. I think Dallas Cook should be there, and that's not just a Florida State fan and me. I mean, we're talking about one of the easily, in my eyes, the best running back in the nation this season. Uh, I know Fournette is supposed to be the most talented, but he didn't play the whole year. So I think Dalvin was the best running back in college football this year. I think he proved it on the bigger stages. 
uh, his only problem was in the Ole Miss game, he looked shaky, even though he had 200 total yards offense. Uh, and then that Louisville game, I mean, Dalvin that didn't have a shot after they lost to Louisville. North Carolina, maybe. Louisville, no, it was over. Um, you know, I think Demarcus Walker is somebody that if you're going to talk to central players is somebody who should be out there. He leads the nation in sacks. That uh, He was definitely a, a factor week in, week out. Jonathan Allen, Tim Williams, uh, you know, the, just – I find it to be ridiculous, and all honesty, I get it. You want to invite more people so people don't know that it's a shoo-in, but this year's a shoo-in. Lamar Jackson's going to win, just like the year um, RG3 won. We all knew he was going to win it, just like the year that Johnny Menzel won, just like the year uh, that, oh, who was the other one that I'm saying? Oh, Tim Tebow, the year Tim Tebow won. You knew they were going to win it. What was the point of inviting anybody else? And here's the problem I have is, I mean, and, and tell me if I'm missing my weeks here, but it seems like every since week three, ever since then, it's been like Lamar Jackson's your Heisman winner this year, guys. Did, was it about that time when nobody else was mentioned, just him? I mean, he put up some big numbers against Florida State, and after that, it was after that Florida State game, it was like he locked in the Heisman Trophy. I've never seen someone win a Heisman after three weeks, and that's that. I don't know what that tells me, but it's. It's just that I don't think the voters really watch what's special. Who is the best player in college football? And I don't care if you're on the best team. Are you the best player? And how do you determine that? Well, the eye test, statistics, defenses you played against, offenses you played against if you're on defense, Jonathan. But I think he's won this since week three, and I think that's why nobody's really talking about the Heisman Trophy because the media sold everybody on it after the third week and it was over. Yeah, I mean, once once he put up the numbers he did against Florida State and they won by as much as they did, it was over. Um, you know, usually the guy who has a big lead like that at the beginning of the year doesn't have a strong run. You know, last year, Leon Fournette was going to run away with it, and we saw how that, that you know, that worked out. Um, you know, Geno Smith was supposed to run away with it one year, and, you know, he fills it out the second half of the year. You know, I, I think a lot of the voters feel like there's really nobody else worthy of it. Uh, I think I, I honestly believe there was a thought process of let's see if somebody can steal this in, in November, and nobody, in all honesty, really stepped up to the plate and stole the show entirely because Lamar still had some good games. I mean, you take away the Houston performance, or even that, that wasn't all on him. You know, you get sacked 11 times and you're a dual-threat quarterback. You know, that's, that's not your fault. I mean, you know, Lamar Jackson almost ran for 2,000 yards this year. So, I mean, what he's done is just absolutely phenomenal. It's just nobody could nobody could take the mantle from him. And dual threat quarterbacks are going to have the edge over pocket passers nowadays because they're racking up thousand yards rushing uh, and and you know twenty five hundred passing. So their total offense, their total contribution to an offense is factored in more. Uh, and I think that's you know we're going to see the days where guys like Jason White and Matt Liner and them uh, they're not going to stand much of a chance. Uh, you know, but to to be honest, it is kind of cool. And it is pretty neat that a guy from Louisville is going to win the award instead of somebody from a Blue Blood program. Uh, I do appreciate that. Yeah. Well, who's going to win the Lou Groza Award tonight for the best kicker? It's about to be announced. And I, and this is not the Auburn thing coming out in me, but if you've looked at kickers this year, I'm sorry, but Daniel Carlson's the best kicker in the country. And it's not even close. It's not even close, Jonathan. Who do you think? Uh, to be honest, I don't even know who the finalists are. Um, just off the top of my head, obviously the kid from Auburn's great. Uh, I, I, I thought he was – I thought he'd put in a great performance this year. Um, there's really no other kicker that – you know, usually I try to find the Florida – you know, Florida State guy in the running, but this year <laughs> – yeah, no. Zane Gonzalez. Zane Gonzalez from Arizona State. He's real good. Daniel Carlson. And there's one more I'll tell you in just a moment. But Carlson has never in his career missed an extra point. And I know that's that's. And then the Koo kid from Georgia Southern, he's a real good kicker. I mean, I've watched him his highlights. I was watching the other night, and uh, the guy's got a he's got a cannon on him. But playing at Auburn though, in some big games, I just think that means more than than playing at Georgia Southern right now. But we'll see. Daniel Carlson. I hope he comes back another year. And uh, it's, uh, Zane Gonzalez won the award from Arizona State. 
we got to give the Pac-12 something, don't you? I mean, we got to give them something. I mean, we're talking about the Lou Groza, where one year they gave it to Cairo Santos out of Tulane over Aguayo, when Aguayo should have won it back-to-back, and everybody agreed. So, I mean, the, the girls is weird. They tend to give it to guys who aren't from Blue Blood programs uh, unless somebody is far and away better than everybody else. Like, I mean, the year Aguayo won it, he, was, he only missed one kick. You know, so it's kind of hard well, to give it Well, here's the deal. Bama fans went out and voted against him. That's what happened. He was winning this thing all the way up until – Bama fans in their trailer parks came out and started voting. They finally got Wi-Fi. They got the dial-up internet, and they started voting. Uh, but congratulations to the kid, though, you know. Hey, some things have happened since we've been on the show last, man. Oregon has fired their, co- their coach. We we knew that was coming. And get, what do you think about the hire from South Florida there? Do you think Taggart's a good fit for Oregon? I mean, once Helfer got fired and once it became apparent that uh, Taggart showed interest in the job, uh, to me it felt like a shoo-in. I didn't think there was any other candidate that they, that, uh, they, they would hire. Um, I think Taggart is a great hire. You're talking about somebody who was on the Stanford staff, was Toby Gerhardt's coach uh, at Stanford, uh, did a heck of a job turning Western Kentucky around. As you can see, I mean, that's still a program that's winning. Um, and then, you know, the turnaround he did at USF, was phenomenal uh, considering the mess Skip Hope's left in it. I think this is going to be a really good fit for them offensively. I think it's a good fit. Uh, he does a great job of molding his offense to uh, the players that he has. Um, he's uh, he's done a great job with running backs, whether it's Marlon Mack or Bobby Rainey or Toby Gerhardt. He always seems to get the best out of his running backs. Uh, I, I think Oregon's got a home run hire, but he better hire a good defensive coordinator. You know I mean, that that's the big thing with Oregon. <laughs> You hired an offensive coach, so you can kind of keep the system intact. And Taggart's up and coming. He's young. He, you know, that's somebody who's going to hang around for a while. But you've got to hit a home run with the defensive coordinator, or this is going to be a three and out. See, uh, you say home run. I agree. It was a good hire, probably. But I, I think Oregon could have gotten a bigger name. Um, I don't know if it was desperation. Let's bring on the expert here. Jason Humphrey. Jason, what do you think about Taggart coming to Oregon? Bye-bye, Helford. She's gone now. And uh, yeah, he's, he's got a new coach in Oregon. Yeah, he's gone. Um, when this hired um, came for listening about 4 a.m. on uh, Tuesday morning, um, I didn't know much of Taggart, but I did my research, um, saw a couple of videos at South Florida. He's a really good players coach. Um, really energetic. Um, something that Oregon, the Oregon program has been missing. Really energetic guy. Really different than the coaches before. And then Jonathan is on the head. He has to fix this defense. If he doesn't, it could be a three year and done and we'll be in the same boat as we are today. Yeah, I don't think they give him three years, Jonathan. I don't think he gets three years. He comes in, and if he doesn't play for the Pac-12 championship in year two, he's done. Well, you know, the the funny thing about that is you're still in the same division as Stanford and Washington. And I think both Mm -hmm. those programs, obviously they have phenomenal head coaches. Washington's done a great job recruiting. So is Stanford. Oregon's got to get competitive in recruiting again with those two schools. I think if Oregon, under Taggart, if, um, if they're competitive, if they, let's say they win eight, nine games his second year, I think he's safe. I really do. Um, because you'll see him okay. I'll and give you that. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. And uh, But that's the key, Jason. I think he's got a – I think the first year – I think he's expected to make a bowl game and uh, yeah, to get yeah. some of the swagger back to to Oregon and you know win eight or nine ball games, seven to nine. Yeah. And I think in that second year he's got to win between eight and ten. I think that's what we're talking about. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't win the the Pac-12. But if they're competitive and they're not getting beat by fifty points, what happened to you happened to Auburn in 2012, and it's very painful. When you watch your team, ours went three and nine, zero and eight in conference, yeah. getting beat fifty points. It's just unacceptable. 
I mean, but I, I think I think Taggart's going to bring, like you said, energy back to your program again, and mm-hmm. and I think you may even end up in the top twenty in recruiting. What do you think about recruiting? Have you heard anything? Um, any any players interested now in Oregon that weren't before? Or? Well, he made an offer to a Florida um, defensive lineman last night. Um, I'm sure he's out recruiting. Um, he said in his press conference. Um, you know, locks down the recruits that we have, and it's going to get out there um, with Monday being the dead period um, till January. So it'll be a um, really good, nobody a good class. Won't be the best this year, but I think he could really develop, especially going into the next year. Um, to piggyback what you said, Vlad, Helfrich didn't get fired because of Fortnite. He got fired because Ross turned up 70. Utah blew him out. The automobile, 31 points. I'm sure that had something to do with it. And then no, you, 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 you beat Utah. You, you beat no, Utah, I, man. I was talking about a year before. A year before. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, Utah. Just okay. So, so, it, so, it started, so it started last year, you think? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay. Yeah, I've I've been saying that last year I really, um, and Jonathan, you can you heard me say it too. I just really thought Helfrich was on his way out the door based off just what I saw on the field, mm-hmm. and and trust me, I've I've seen coaches on their way out, and and I can tell you about when it's about to happen. Um, Kevin Sumlin, for instance, is not on his way out when you're ranked fifth in recruiting right now. You're not going to fire your coach after winning eight games, are you, Jonathan? Or not eight games? They went eight and four. It's kind of hard to fire your coach when you're when you're winning. But uh, Tennessee in the top ten in recruiting, everybody said Butch Jones may be fired. Look, they're not going to fire you if you're a top ten recruiting, unless you're Les Miles at LSU and they did it early in the season. But I just look at Oregon, Jonathan, and I think. Right now, looking at them in rivals, I'm just looking at one. They're 43rd right now. And what disappoints me is they have no five stars. They have three four stars and nine three stars. What are they going to have to do between now and February to get that class up in the top 25, maybe? What does Taggart have to do? How is he going to sell the program? And He doesn't have to sell Oregon. How does he sell himself? Because Oregon's a great program. Uh, Well, I mean, you look at his resume and say, look what I've done. Look what I've done. I've turned programs around. I've created winners. Uh, You know, I've made running backs NFL draft picks. I've worked my system to the quarterback strengths. You know, look what I've done. Look at my track record. I can make this work. Uh, I I think as far as recruiting goes, I mean, you got to remember when he was at Stanford, uh, he was recruiting Northern California, uh, and the entire Southeast he had Florida, Georgia, Alabama, all that. And this is a coach who's going to have – he has ties to the Florida area. He's from the Tampa area. He did a really good job recruiting there. And now he's at a bigger-name school to where he can compete with your Floridas and your Miamis for recruits. I don't, I'm, I'm not going with Florida State, but I think he can compete with those two schools right now. Um, so, I, you know, it, it's going to be about, look, we, we're going to win. Come out west. It's a good school. You're going to be coached right, uh, you know, let, let's, let's go. And I ain't going nowhere because there's really no step up for Taggart at this point unless he wants to come back state, and that's if one of the bigger schools opens up. And I, honestly, I, I don't think he will. Uh, his whole thing about going to Oregon was I can win a national title here, and he can sell out the players. I think he's got a really nice recruiting job ahead of him, in all honesty, compared to USF where he was picking up uh, the three stars and the four stars that were left behind. Yeah, I think he. I think Oregon's a great place, and I mean, I I love to go to that game to uh, to watch them play. But has anybody heard any updates, Jason? Have you heard any updates on Lane Kiffin going to Houston or where he may end up? Um, I I saw something that he was going to see Houston. Um, I haven't really looked into it as much. Uh, it's been a busy day for me. All right, well, man. Thanks for joining us, uh, Jason. I will say this. No um, I, I do have Oregon winning eight games next year. I'm not going to jump on all packs of title. 
I think an eight-win season would be perfect for the next year. Yeah. Eight and four. That's a lot better. What were you this year? Five and seven? Four and eight? Four, um, and, eight. four and eight. Four and forgettable. Yeah. That was a long – it's a yeah. bad football. So I bet you were happy. You were happy to see that thing get over with, weren't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm happy about the MZ and um, what Tiger could have bring to the table. So, so be excited. All right. Thanks, Jason. Take care of yourself. Uh, Lane Kiffin going to Houston. I just don't know, Jonathan. I don't know if it's going to happen or not. It seems like Houston, what they're wanting to do now is because all these coaches come and go, they're wanting a big buyout. But Kiffin is one of three – of three or four finalists for the Houston job, and let's let's talk about who do you want out there if you're Houston? Do you want Lane Kiffin is not your most stable coach. I mean, he's not proved himself as a head coach, and he's not proved himself to be able to stay somewhere long. So, if you're Houston and you look at that, you're like, uh, I don't know. But what about Oklahoma Lincoln Riley, the offensive coordinator? I, I think that may be a good hire for Houston right now. I think he fit. I think he fits that program better than Lane Kiffin does, and what they're wanting to do. I think Lincoln Riley would make sense because he's you know just north. Um, you know he obviously already knows the recruiting areas and all that other good stuff. Uh, I know Houston is going to their president at this point to ask for approval uh, with, with Lane Kiffin before anything proceeds further. As far as uh, I've heard it's pretty much a done deal between those two. They're just trying to get uh, the upper management on board. I mean, if that does fall through, I think Lincoln Riley would be a really good hire. Uh, I was joking around, but, I mean, Charlie Strong's a name that think, I would kick around if I was them. Think, so Lane's a done deal, you think, in Houston? Yeah, if they can, if they can get the president um, – uh, on board, I think Lane Kiffin's locked in uh, to the University of Houston. I think that's where he's going to go because it's. Okay. I mean, right now it's your top Power Five job in all reality. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of recruiting, man, we're talking about that. The dead period's about to start. I think Sunday, and uh, the most sought-after quarterback in America, Jonathan. Guess who? Jared Stenham, where is he going to go? My sources are telling me that he's often locked. Like, unless something bad happens, something open, I mean, just something bad happened. I think we're looking at Auburn getting this Stenham kid and, uh, you know, just um, shaking up the college football world and the SEC. Because we know, and I'm going to tell you this, you tell me if I'm wrong, if Auburn had a quarterback of that caliber for the entire season, I think they're at least a 10-win ball club right now. Finish 8-4, and four, I say at least 10-2. and two. You tell me what you think if Auburn had a quarterback like that on the field this year with that team. Now, they may be sitting in the Final Four right now. Regardless of Alabama did, they could be an 11-1 and one team right now, even if they didn't win the SEC. Yeah, I mean, every, everything I've heard is that this is the top, you know, quote-unquote recruit in the nation at quarterback uh, because he, you know, he's – Played at a college level before. He's he's very talented, um, and I mean he's ahead of the game compared to a bunch of high school kids. Uh, and from everything I've heard, from all the people that I've listened to, that whose value I uh, I mean opinion that I value, um, he's going to Auburn. And it sounds like there might be a personnel move coming with that. From what from what I heard um, the, this week that, you know, a coach would need to come with him at this point. But we'll we'll see how that shakes out. But, I mean, from what I understand, he loves Auburn. He wants to go there. Uh, Gus, I guess, told him he's going to play right away. And you know what? The kid is damn good. I mean, that he's definitely a kid that I would hand it over to. How about his girlfriend? My God. Oh, and, you know, SEC quarterbacks. How could you leave? How could you leave the state of Texas and leave her behind? Oh, I imagine she might find a way to Auburn if she if he was to go there. Seems like that's how that works hey, out nowadays. She can stay with me and if she needs. I'm a booster, you know. I'll do whatever I take, you know, for the team. 
Don't let the missus hear you. <laughs> no, she she would chop my head off and hand it to you, Jonathan, if she heard me say that. That was a joke, everybody. That was a joke. But uh, <laughs> I think there's some. I think there could be a change in offensive coordinator coming for Auburn. Just what I'm feeling. No proof. No inside information. But I think maybe the offensive coordinator position could open up, Jonathan. What would you think about if that happened? Who would who would fill Rhett Lashley's uh, missing position there? Could you see uh, Bryles or could you see uh, Kendall Bryles, that is? Art Bryles is suing uh, Baylor for uh, libel and slander right now. Yeah, I saw the Art Bryles thing. Let's see if that actually, if he has legs to stand on. I really want to dig more into that before I comment further. Um, Kendall Bryles, I think, would be interesting because I'm, I'm not sure Matt Rule is going to keep him around. I think Matt Rule is going to want his own staff uh, at Baylor. Uh, so I think, honestly, I think Kendall Bryles would be a good hire. I do. I think he's an excellent offensive coordinator. Um, you know, especially if, you know, Stidham really wants him there. I mean, might as well butter up the plate while you can. So, I you know, I think I think Kendall would be uh, an excellent hire just from what he's done as a coach and what he can bring to the program and his recruiting reach into the state of Texas, which cannot be undervalued. Yeah, anytime you can get your get into Texas. But uh, just say Stidham comes to Auburn, Jonathan, say he – Next week, he, he says, what what does that do for Sean White? What does that do for John Franklin III? What does that even do for the redshirt Woody Barrett? I mean, this guy's got three years of eligibility, right? So he because he did not play his junior college year this year, he went to junior college, but he didn't play. He's got three years of eligibility remaining. I think, Jerry, I think Franklin needs to accept the fact if this happens, that he's not going to play quarterback except in some uh, situation roles maybe, or they can move him to a different position. I think you could put him at running back at in certain times. You could put him out of receiver in the slot. You could put him on defense sometimes. A guy's an athlete, kick returner, punt returner. There's something he needs to realize that he's not going to make it as a quarterback. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. I, I honestly, I think uh, if Spinham were to arise, um, you would have to see a, a shakeup as far as transfer goes, whether it's Sean White, who I think, honestly, it would uh, behoove him to transfer out at this point. Uh, I mean, if you're, if you're Gus, you want to keep at least one of those three kids. You can't lose all three of those quarterbacks to transfers. So you got to find a way to keep at least one of them. I think you want to hold on to Woody Barrett more than any of them at this point. Uh, let Sean White Amen. transfer and go play somewhere. Um, well, you know, if John Franklin doesn't accept a position change, let him transfer and play somewhere. Yeah, if we keep – you're right. If we keep Woody and we keep Stidham and we, you know, we've got uh, we've got a couple more that we can, you know, in case of emergency. You don't want three great – you're not going to ever have three great quarterbacks on your roster. Look what's happening in Alabama right now. They've already lost two of their five stars that left right now. That's what happens because – these guys, you only have four years to play, right? That's all you get. That's all you can play. So if someone beats you out, I don't, I don't think it's bad for kids to transfer. I mean, if you go to a school and and you think you can win the quarterback and you don't, Jonathan, I have no problem with someone. I'll have no problem with John Franklin III leaving Auburn and trying to become a quarterback somewhere else. Do you or Sean White? I have no problem whatsoever with it. I mean, they they have every right to do so. What we have to remember with the Alabama situation is now at this point, since both are transferred, you know, Bateman's transferred, she committed, or was it Barnett? One of them committed to Arizona State already, whichever one left is in the middle of the year. She committed to Arizona State uh, this, I want to say it was Monday. Uh, you know, the other one, as I uh, said, she's leaving. So your backup quarterback for Jalen Hurts now is a kid who was a backup in high school. Like, I, I'm, the kid didn't even start on his high school team. So, I mean, that's going to worry you. If you're Alabama, if Jalen Hurts goes down against Washington, you're hosed. You are. You're hosed. This was the worst possible time for a kid to transfer out, right, before the playoffs, because you don't have a backup now if, if Jalen gets hurt. So, I have a question. Do they get their ring? 
if they Alabama wins a championship, I wouldn't give them a ring. If they left my team, uh, I wouldn't. I mean, with, with Cooper, with Jason, maybe. I don't know. Honestly, if I was the head coach, neither one of them gets a ring from me because one of them leaves in the middle of the year. Okay, so you're a quitter. Cool. Um, and the other one uh, leaves right for the playoffs. So if you quit on me again, I mean, you you quit yeah. and you leave right before. It's not like you're going to play next year now. Like, good job on, on on leaving right now when there's a chance that you could actually play in the national title game if, if something was to happen. You're one play away. So, no, neither one of them get a ring from me. The university might do it, but if I, I bet you Nick Saban's like, uh-uh, no, sir, nah. Yeah, and, and you know, like if you have to be careful getting too many five-star quarterbacks on your team. You need a mixture. Kevin Sumlin made a big mistake. You saw that when he, he had all those five stars and they, it caused the controversy, and now he, he's looking at Kellen Mond right now. And I think that's why he and Emma's backed off Stidham a little bit is because if they get Stidham, all of a sudden Mond's coming to Auburn. And if, he, if they get Mond, Stidham's going to Auburn. So, you know, if they're in a situation now, you're, you might as well go with the one that you feel best fits your program and do whatever you got to do. A&M... I don't know, but Alabama, though, is in trouble because if Kiffin takes this job at Houston, they're going to expect him to start right away. You know, they're going to expect him to come in and and start coaching. And I don't think Nick Saban would allow Lane Kiffin to stay through the playoffs. What about you? After what happened with with Georgia last year and Kirby Smart, I think Saban may say, okay, next guy up. Uh, what's the name, though, drunk from USC? Uh, Sarkeesian, he may be out there calling plays. I mean, it's an interesting scenario because uh, whenever a coordinator leaves for the bowl game, I I remember because of Mark Rick. Mark Rick accepted the Georgia job officially out in the open, did a press conference before Florida State played Oklahoma in the 2001 Orange Bowl which happened to be the national championship game against Oklahoma. And Bobby banged him and pleaded him and told him, please don't announce it. Just don't. Just keep it quiet. And, you know, you, uh, you know, as long as you keep it quiet, coach the game, win the title, go out like that. And Mark Brick said, no, I'm going to announce it. Bobby said, well, you can pack your stuff and get out there. And that's the precedent I have. Um, so, I mean, knowing Saban, he'll probably let Kiffin stay. Uh, just because it's going to be a recruiting dead period anyways, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So Kiffin's not going to get much done in Houston. Uh, and you also, you know, Saban wants to win a championship. So, you know, that you're losing your coordinator for that's never really a uh, key for success. But if you have Groom Sarkeesian at this point take over for him, I know he's eventually going to run the same offense. I mean, you might as well get Sarkeesian started early. So if I was Saban, that's what I would do. I'd be like, all right, well, Nick, since you took the job, the show's yours now, Steve. Go ahead and get her done. Let me tell you what about Lane Kiffin. I read an article where it said the, the players, Alabama's defense, would do things to make Saban yell at Kiffin. That's what they wanted to do. That shows you there's a lot of people there don't like Lane Kiffin, and they probably don't like Nick Saban either. I mean, to be honest with you, they're there for a reason. They're there to, to get to the NFL, draw their paycheck, move on, and, and try to see what they can do in the draft, don't you think? I mean, they're not two likable people, Lane Kiffin and, and Nick Saban. I'm sorry. They're just they're just not. I, I just think these players, they, they play with for each other. I think they play – I don't even know if they even look at the fans. These guys are all business all the time, and I just don't think they like either coach. What do you think about the players like Nick Saban and Lane Kiffin? I think they hate both of them. Well, I mean, you're talking about two guys who are sons of old school coaches. I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't expect uh, their coaching style to really differ that much from their fathers, uh, you know, and Lou Saban and Monty Kiffin. Uh, so, now, lo- looking at Nick, I mean, A, Nick's like 68 years old, okay? He's not going to be able to relate to the players as much anymore. Uh, his selling point is, we're going to win games, we're going to win championships, we're going to go to the pros. You want to come here? We're going to do it. If not, we'll find somebody else. Like, you're replaceable. 
Uh, and personally, I kind of like that. Um, you know, so and do I think the players love Nick to a point? Uh, but I, you know, I don't think it's it's anywhere close to like Jimbo. Um, as as far as Lane goes, I think the players might like him if he let his guard down. The problem with Lane is, frankly, he's an L. That's the, that's the only way I can really put it. I mean, he is. Um, he wants to win. That's what he cares about. That's what he's going to focus on is winning games. And, you know, does he want the players to like him? Yeah, because it makes everything a little easier. But it's not his top priority. You know, I mean, so, look, if you want to win, go play for those two. If you want uh, a father figure, go somewhere else. Go to Georgia or uh, Miami. Go to Miami if you want a father figure. Yeah. So um, back to Stidham real quick, just real quick on that. Do you think he's? Do you think he'll go if Kendall Bryles goes somewhere else? Do you think it's possible that he goes with him? Uh, you know, it's an interesting idea. I think it would depend on where Kendall goes. Um, you know, it would, you know, if Bryles went to Florida State, let's just say no, he's not going. Um, but if Bryles were to go to Miami or if he were to go to Florida, or if he were to go to Oklahoma, I think he'd follow suit. Uh, it's just I think you'd have to look at the quarterback situation at each respective school. Like, I don't think he'd go to Texas. I think that'd be foolish um, if I was fit him. But I think if you told him, you know, Miami, Florida, Oklahoma, schools where he might, you know, like Miami and, and Oklahoma, he might have to sit here at the most. Uh, you know, yeah, I think he'd do it. But I think Stidham wants to play more than anything at this point. He wants to win. Uh, you know, so I, I, I think uh, the Kendall Bryles thing, as much as people say that that's tied and that's important, I honestly don't think it's as important as people think. Is it a factor in his overall decision-making? Yeah, of course. But I don't think it is but a decision-maker. He, he has a good relationship with Rhett, too. That's his second coach that he has a relationship with. So that's why I was saying – you could see Kendall Biles take on. Do you think Kendall Biles would take on the position at Auburn under the offensive coordinator, or or do you think it would have to be offensive coordinator for him to come? I don't think he takes a position under offensive coordinator unless somebody he really likes and loves loves at the OC. Um, and, you know, hit, hit his daddy. You know, his daddy was the offensive coordinator somewhere. Yeah, I think Kendall would go ahead and take a position under him. Um, but I don't think Kendall's looking for a step down right now. He's qualified to be an offensive coordinator anywhere he wants. And I think he's earned that, uh, the, the right and the respect to do so with the way he's coached and the team, you know, the offenses he's pushed out. Uh, I think last year, more than anything, proved that when, you, uh, when you're down to a four-string quarterback and you win your bowl game, win T out of the shotgun. So I don't think he would take a position down unless his daddy was the one right above him. So so right now he's currently still at Baylor, correct? Riles is. Yeah, I mean we'll see what Matt Rule does and how he shakes that out. But as of right now, yeah, Kendall Riles is still at Baylor. And and you don't think he's going to stay, right? Based off your opinion, I think he's leaving, but. That's just personal my opinion. opinion. Yeah, personal opinion. I think he's out of there. Um, I think Matt Rule wants to clean house and get a- anybody associated with the scandal out of Dodge. Yeah, I think you have to clean house. But I think you do. You're right, and and I think right now they're just trying to get the Don't Walker Don't Walker Walker Award was just won by guess who? Dante Foreman beat beat your boy Dalvin Cook out. That's crap. I know. I'll just wait on you to say that. I mean, every all these awards are a joke, man. I mean, it's just like they're jokes. Let's just quit doing these award shows, okay? Let's just. Dalvin Cook should be getting a dinner this year, and I know we talked about it earlier, but I'm sorry if I get if I have to harp on something, I'm going to harp on it. If I'm pissed off about something. And, look, Fournette's a great running back, too. 
he didn't play the entire year. He plays when he wants to. I don't want to see him out there. Yes, he's talented, but Dalvin Cook is a monster. And you just wait, you just wait till he gets into the NFL and sees what, and just watch what happens. If I'm somebody, if I'm Carolina out there, I'm tanking the rest of the year or somewhere just so I can get Dalvin Cook or somebody or just just to have with Cam Newton. And uh, we we can talk about some bowl games right now. Or we can go to the NFL. Which do you choose, my friend? Oh Lord. Um... Well, we got time for the bowl game, so why don't we go ahead and uh, pepper on the NFL? That's right. That's right, my friend. Tonight, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Oakland Raiders. I mean, watch this on a Thursday night for them, man. This, these are two of the best teams in the AFC, but if I'm having to pick somebody right now with a gun to my head, I'm going to pick Oakland right now on the road at Kansas City. Kansas City beat them earlier in the year in Oakland, I think Oakland returns a favor. I think Oakland is a team you don't want to screw with right now. And I think Oakland is underdog tonight. I think they take it personal, and I think they, they wipe the floor with them by a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, Oakland actually plays really, really well um, in, in Kansas City. Uh, they've been, uh, I want to say they've covered the spread like 80 90% of the time over the past decade. Uh, it's just a place they always play well. These teams tend to be better on the road against each other than at home. Um, I like Oakland as well. I think they're the better team. Uh, I, I think that Khalil Mack's going to feast tonight because uh, he officially cement himself as defensive player of the year. Uh, and I think Amari you know, Cooper's not going to have a big night with Marcus Peters all over him, but I think Michael Crabtree is in line for a really good night tonight. I like the Raiders to win it. A tight game. I think it's going to be an excellent game to watch or Mikey's listen to. Hey, I'm going to back off football for one second, something I don't want to miss because I'll forget about it. College basketball, how in the world did Kentucky fall as far as they did by losing to UCLA? Kentucky dropped to six in the AP poll. That was their first loss and seventh in the coach poll. How does that happen? You lose a very good use. When that game, before it started, we talked about it, or I don't know if you and I talked about it or not, we talked about how good UCLA was as a team. Well, they proved that. They went on the road to Kentucky, but you telling me Duke's better than Kentucky right now, honestly? You telling me Baylor's better than Kentucky? Kansas is better than Kentucky? You honestly think Villanova's better than Kentucky? I mean, I just – they lost one game, Jonathan. One game, and they dropped that far. Um, don't like it. I just thought it's. I just want to put that out there real quick. Ten seconds. What do you think about that? I think the polls are stupid in college basketball. Anyways, um, I think what they saw was shortcomings in, in Kentucky, and that's why they they dropped them. Uh, I mean, Duke's playing with only eight scholarship guys right now. Uh, Baylor, I don't think should be ranked ahead of them. Villanova's obviously a great team, repeating national champs. So I, I think that there are some cases for some of these teams. Um, but it's a fluid situation. They're going to be in the top five probably most of the year, and they just can't do what they did against UCLA and suffer from uh, the shooting woes they did. Uh, that that that's what killed them in that game, shooting 60% from the free throw line, shooting 33% from three. You can't do that. You can't. You you you've got to shoot better than that. Yeah, especially at home. Especially at home. By the way. You, you're at home. You gotta you gotta beat anybody if you're the best team in the country. Well, let's move on Didn't back I to the NFL. Didn't I call Kentucky yeah, you did. game at home though? Uh, I can't remember. Oh, I know I did. Maybe I said, you did. I said they're gonna lose. They're gonna lose a stupid game at home, where and everybody's gonna freak out just like they're you know by dropping them out of the top five. Everybody's gonna freak out because they lost at home. It's like. Well, you know it was coming. It's a bunch of freshmen. I mean, that's the one thing we got to remember. Look at that lineup. Look at that. The only team that is that yeah. young might be Michigan State, and they're not very good. Come on. Yeah, and they need to lose. They need to they need to feel that sting early instead of waiting to the end of the season and the tournament to lose. But, uh, hey, speaking of NCAA basketball, Auburn is like 18th in like the RPI right now. And and I know that doesn't mean a lot, but, but let me tell you the meaning of it. Last year they were like 200th at this time. The year before there was like 250, uh, 300 the year before. So Auburn is making some strides in basketball. They're still a long way away from being in the top 25. But, hey, 
you gotta you gotta start somewhere, right? You gotta keep moving and keep moving. But Auburn's a pretty good little basketball team that's dangerous. They they their only loss is against Purdue, and that was because they had no answer for those two seven footers. And Purdue's a pretty good basketball team. So just want to throw that out there and give some love to my boys at Auburn. Now back to the NFL. Speaking of one of my boys from Auburn, Cam Newton is hosting San Diego. Honestly, Jonathan, if I'm Carolina, I don't play Luke Keekley the rest of the year. I honestly think about shutting Cam Newton down because it's over. You're four and eight. You, you, you went out. You're eight and eight. Will that win you the division? It depends on if Atlanta just has a, a complete tank job or Tampa Bay has a complete tank job. I don't think it's going to happen. So, in what part of your Carolina do you think about getting rid of your coach, rebuilding that offensive line a little bit through free agency, through the draft, trade, whatever it is, and and getting these guys healthy? Because this season's over. I mean, it's over. It's been over since about the third week. So, what do you think of Carolina going forward? Do you, when do you start pulling these players out and, and look at the future a little bit? Because Carolina, Cam Newton's been beat up the entire season. Luke Keekley's the best player on that team. You don't want to lose him long-term over games that don't mean nothing. Where's Carolina's head right now? Well, if Carolina's smart, they go ahead and say, exactly what you said, let's shut them down, uh, you know, finish 4-12, and 12, get a top-10 pick, uh, add a uh, – I don't think there's an offensive lineman that's worth that high, but, you know, maybe – you, you draft somebody. Cam Robinson. Uh, Cam Robinson. No, 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 no. Hey, hey, guess what? No, he, he's not a top ten pick. You know why? He's 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 really he got no. He's had issues. I don't think there's an offensive lineman in this draft. Now they'll be overdrafted, and it wouldn't surprise you if Cam Robinson win the top ten. But uh, no, I wouldn't do it. I think I think that's a mistake waiting to happen. Uh, uh, honestly, you need help in the secondary. You know, Carolina, I like their linebackers. I like the interior defensive line. Could you use another defensive end? Of course. Could you use guys in the secondary? Duh. Uh, you know, your receivers, I think, are good. Uh, tight ends, obviously phenomenal. Running backs, you can add a piece, but I don't think you make running backs a priority. Quarterbacks, you're obviously set for a while. So you need offensive line. And you need uh, help in the secondary and, the def- and a pass rusher. Uh, so I think you know you're going to find one um, if you're in the top ten. Uh, as far as Ron Rivera goes, you know you won the division three years in a row, and you had you know you went from what seven wins to uh, twelve wins to fifteen wins, and obviously going from fifteen to four isn't exactly something that you like. That is horrible regression, uh, but. I don't, I don't know if you fire him. I really don't. Unless it seems like he's completely lost the players, I don't think you fire him. Because that is a coach who is the only coach in that division since its inception that won the division uh, multiple years in a row. Uh, you know, everybody's got to remember the NFC South, nobody won that division back to back years until Carolina did it three in a row. So I think you give Ron another year. I think you just chalk this up as, you know, the, the uh, disaster that it was. And try to move forward. And you, I mean, that offensive line is a joke. The secondary is a joke. That's kind of sticks. That defensive line is soft. If you need anything, you get a new defensive line coach. Yeah, I just, I just don't like Rivera. I, I just, I, and you, you've never seen me speak highly of him or heard me speak highly no. of him. I just, Carolina's I been just, trying to fire him know. for years. Ever since you showed up, he's been trying to fire him. Time, it's it's way past time to do it. Um, the guy doesn't know how to coach. I'm sorry. I said it even last year when they were winning. I just didn't. I just I didn't bash him as much. Of course, it's hard to bash a coach when when they're winning like that. But I didn't like him. He won a division at seven and nine one year, I think, or <clears throat> and he choked the first round of the playoffs after he had a bye. I don't know, but. But Dallas right now in the East, eleven and one. That's a that's a tough division they're in right now. But what does it what does it say about Dak Prescott? And I mean, you know that home run hit with Elliott, the Cowboys made. Just just let's let's just pretend a minute that the draft happened last year and Ezekiel Elliott wasn't drafted by 
Dallas. Where would Dallas be right now? Because I think that's a that's a key right there. I know everybody gives Prescott the love and everything, but where would they be without Ezekiel Elliott right now running the football? Yeah, I mean, Ezekiel Elliott's been phenomenal. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I mean, looking at it, if they didn't have Ezekiel Elliott, Alfred Morris would be running the ball. And not for nothing, but Alfred Morris was pretty daggum good in Washington. So I don't I don't think it, it they you know they'd be dead in the water uh as far as that goes. But obviously Elliott's a game changer, no doubt about it, kinda of like Adrian Peterson. Uh and Ladanian Tomlinson, Curtis Martin, guys like that, they were they were game changers. Um so I think if uh if you you know, looking at Dallas, Dak Prescott's obviously great, but without Elliott, I don't think they're uh, they're seven and one, to be completely honest. I don't I are eleven and one, my bad. I, I, I just I don't think that would be the case. So I, I Going ahead, if you're in Dallas, you have the best offensive line in the NFL. You got one of the best running backs. You got a daggum good quarterback. Uh, you got good weapons uh, to throw the ball to. This might be the best team in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, and it's up front, and and that's what you look at. Just look it up front. Dallas on both sides of the ball, they're good, and they're winning, man. I mean, they're four and zero against the AFC this year, and they're seven and one against the NFC undefeated on the road. That's what I look at. How good are you on the road? And yeah, can't be much better than six and zero right now. Even the even the Patriots, I believe, oh they're six and zero on the road. So you look at the Oakland's five and zero on the road. Dallas six and zero. So you look, those are the best teams in football right there to me. We've got New England, we got Oakland and Dallas. To me, there's there's really nobody else to even mention. Baltimore two and three on the road. They're winning their division right now. Houston one and five on the road. They're winning the South. That's a disaster. Uh, <laughs> Detroit three and three on the road. Respectable five and one at home. Uh, Atlanta shockingly is four and two on the road. So I've got to give Atlanta some love. And and Tampa Bay though five and one on the road. Did you ever see that coming? Why can't Tampa win at home? But they. They're five and one on the road, which means they're tied for first with Atlanta right now. And I think they beat Atlanta, didn't they? So far in the season, did they beat Atlanta? Uh, they split. I don't one down here. We won up there. I mean, I don't. I don't. Um, the Bucks used to be money at home. I mean, that used to be great home field advantage. And now I, we can't buy a win. Uh, I want to say it's like four wins in three years at home, and who came this year, like, that's terrible. We That is an issue that needs to get resolved. You know, it's not even like the fans aren't showing up. You know, we beat Seattle, Cutter brought up, because the fans were in the game. They were there. They did a great job. You know, obviously we have an issue when some of these northern teams come down later in the year. But, I mean, we, we've got to get better at home. I don't know if we're like the, the Giants. Uh, you know, everybody remembers the Giants in 2007. They won every road game that year. Uh, you know, they won uh, all – I want to say it was all eight in the regular season, and then they won, uh, obviously, all four in the playoffs, one's a neutral sider. So, you know, I mean, the, it's it's baffling, it's mind-blowing, it's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, but you never know. You may make the playoffs, and Jameis Winston and that mentality he's got, that winning mentality, he may have what it takes to get in the playoffs and cost some – cause some problems for some teams right now. But if he plays with Dallas, I mean, you just never know. Winston's waiting for his chance to shine. Let's go through the games real quick since we're running out of time tonight. I just wanted to make sure we did a show. We will be back Sunday night for sure. Uh, trying to hit some some big games. Detroit, Chicago, not a big game. But how about your Vikings, favorite three over Jacksonville? What do you think? Uh, Blake Bortles has thrown more pick sixes in his career than he has wins. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean that, that is a level of ineptitude that I never thought I'd say. I mean, I, I got to wonder if any test birdie did that at some point. Because he was terrible for the Bucks. Um, You know, looking at it, I, Minnesota should be the better team. Minnesota should win this game. But, I mean, that's that's not saying much. Minnesota's in a tailspin. The offensive line has been terrible. Uh, the defense gets left out there too long. 
that first-round pick for Sam Bradford. Told y'all to come back to bite him. Told y'all. No, they needed to do it. Go for it. No. It was stupid, and they're going to see the impact of that. They are. That was an idiotic trade. Hats off to Minnesota for being stupid. Well, I mean, they. what did they give up again? They gave up a first and a third for Sam Bradford. I mean, that's you gave up two top 100 picks. That's dumb. As for, as for a team that needs offensive line help, for a team that really doesn't have a number two receiver, your running back's breaking down, that's dumb. Yeah, I mean, it's looking that way. I mean, it's it's looking like they're not going to make the playoffs. They're in a tailspin. And did you really give all that away just for uh, – six and ten years, seven and nine years, I mean, which actually hurts you more than anything finishing seven and nine because it means you're not going to get a great draft pick. So you gave up draft picks, and now you're not going to get another one. I mean, well, I guess it helps them because if they finished dead last with this, they could they would have lost a, a very valuable draft pick. But I think where they are at seven and nine, that's a pretty – you could get a great player at that position right in the middle. That's usually when you can get a great player in the first round. I mean, you gave up, let's, uh, uh, let's say, a pick between 10 and uh, uh, 17, right? So you gave up a mid-first a mid rounder to do the same thing you would have done with Sean Hill. I mean, let's, let's think about that for a minute. This season would have gone no different with Sean Hill and Christian Ponder at quarterback. No different. Good job. You panicked and made a dumb move. And for everybody who said they needed to make that move, how do you like me now? It was a dumb move at the time, and it has backfired even more. Because Minnesota's defense can only play great for so long with a below-average offense. That was, the, that was the fact of life. Sam Bradford was never that good in the pros. to think he was magically going to get better at Minnesota What was, was a dream that was has turned into a nightmare. <laughs> it was a pipe dream. What was? Here's a, here's a game I like, and we'll go to your Bucks after this one. Washington at Philly, very important game in this division, fighting for wild cards and everything. But good luck beating Washington right now. They look good to me. I like this Washington Redskins team. They're good. I'm going to give them credit where it's due. They're not as bad as I thought they'd be. I don't know if that's a compliment or not. But, I mean, Washington's 6-5 and five right now in this division. And Philadelphia 5-7. and seven. They need to start winning now. But the problem is Washington with a two-game losing streak, Philly with a three. What gives here? Can Washington go on the road and kind of separate themselves from Philadelphia? This will probably eliminate Philadelphia from any playoff contention but it will keep them because the Giants play Dallas. If the Giants lose to Dallas, all of a sudden, you're not trying to catch Dallas now if you're Washington. You're trying to catch the Giants. This moves you into really a tie, if you will, in the loss column, but they still have that tie on the resume Washington does, which is not a loss. It's a tie. But this is a very important game for Washington. This could be make or break. Yeah, I mean, very important game for the Redskins. I think they're the better team right now. I saw a report earlier that Doug Peterson's job was safe. If that was a question, if that was a legitimate question, you need to look yourself in the mirror and hit yourself. If you ask that, hit yourself. Doug Peterson's been there not even a full season yet. He has the number two pick in the draft out of North Dakota State. The team has five wins. It's a miracle they do. You know, is the quarterback having some issues right now? Yeah, it's the same issues we thought he was going to have when he was drafted. He has accuracy problems. We knew that. Right. For somebody to ask, Doug, is your job on the line? Are you concerned about your job security? Cut yourself. Seriously. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. The man has been there 12 games. He's done a phenomenal job with a dumpster fire that Chip Kelly left him. This is not the most talented team that he took over. If it was, they wouldn't have drafted a quarterback number two. 
Exactly. That's how you know your team's struggling when they're drafting quarterbacks right there at the number two. If you're drafting in the number two position, you know you suck. Uh, all right, here's a game I want to touch before we go. One more after this one, New Orleans-Tampa Bay. Uh, on the road, New Orleans is not a road team. Tampa's not a home team, but Tampa's only favored two and a half. Seems like they'd be favored a, a little bit more, Jonathan. That line looks a little fishy. Well, this is always a great game. I mean, people forget uh, when they first made the division up, the Saints owned the Bucks. It, it was something to behold in all reality. Uh, the year that the Bucks won the Super Bowl, two of their losses were to the Saints. I'm glad we didn't see them in the playoffs. We probably would have lost the third time. And I remember both those games vividly. Oh, they were terrible losses, too. Gut-wrenching, horrible losses. Uh, but, you know, I think I think the Bucks are on a roll right now. And you know what? Offensive line is playing really well, and I love that. But the defense has stepped up. Finally, the defense, the Mike Smith system has has it's, it's taken hold. It's taken shape. These players have bought in. They're playing phenomenally. The secondary is playing well. Uh, outside of hard grades, um, surprise, surprise, told you all. Uh, linebackers are playing excellent. Defensive line is getting a rush. Uh, offense, Mike Evans, most improved player on the box this year. He doesn't drop stupid forms anymore. Offensive line is playing really well. Jameis is, is doing a good job. He still had moments of, oh, he just threw a pick. Never mind, they dropped it. But he's he's, he's a leader. Cameron Brace, the tight end that you don't know about, the top ten in fantasy. I I, I love I love the Bucks right now. I think they're playing really well, and I think they get the win here. Yeah, I do. I do too. Two games, real quick. Jonathan Seattle at Green Bay. Seattle favored three. I'm taking Green Bay at home in this one. Uh, Seattle's playing well, but they're a struggle on the road. I like Green Bay and the points anytime at home. Yeah, I mean, the home team usually tends to win this game, uh, at least cover the spread. I want to say it's the last six times uh, that the home team's covered. I like the Packers in the spot. I, I think off, uh, offensively, uh, they'll be able to do, do some things that are going to frustrate the you know, defense, uh, and mainly that's because Earl Thomas is out. Uh, you know, when you lose the quarterback of your secondary, uh, you know, you're going to have some issues. I still think the Cowboys offensive line has a lot of problems. Um, but this should be another good game. This is this is probably the best rivalry in football between uh, non-divisional opponents. Yeah, it could be a playoff game, too, in December here. So, in the last game, not least, though, Dallas on the road at New York, the only team to beat them. This year, they're going to New York. This is a different Dallas team, and uh, the Giants are playing well, but I just don't think the Giants are able to hold up for four quarters. I like Dallas in this game by probably about 14. I don't know how well the Giants are really playing or if their schedule's just doing them a lot of favors, to be honest. Um Look, Dallas always loses to the Giants at Cowboys Stadium. I don't know why. Don't ask me why. I have no rhyme or reason behind it. Uh, but I, I, I think they're the better team uh, tonight, and I mean, uh, from a Sunday. And I, by that, I mean Dallas is. And I think they're going to win in New York. It's going to be a, uh, a good game uh, because these, these two play some just dandy of a contest every time. Uh, Monday Night Football is getting a little better. I mean, Patriots and the Ravens, that's more of a matchup you'd like to see on Monday night instead of some of this other crap we've been seeing. I'd like the Patriots. I like the Patriots in this game, the Ravens. Um, sometimes they tend to surprise people when when they're underdogs and in a spotlight stage like they are. Don't be surprised if Baltimore wins, but I'm going to pick the Patriots in this one. I don't know who's going to win, but I'll tell you, I like the Patriots plus the points. I want to say it's a touchdown. I think it's going to be a three-point Patriots game. Are, Baltimore's... Patriots are favored. Yeah, are they like, by, by a touchdown? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I thought you said you, you like Patriots and the points. Get, get oh, the no. Points. I, I like Baltimore on the points. Um, I think this is going to be a field goal game. I think Baltimore has the best kicker in the NFL, and that gives them an edge there. Got stopped. He's been a little shaky this year. Uh, Baltimore always plays the Patriots really, really, really well. Uh, I, I, but like you said, great Monday night game. I mean, I don't think there's another game this week that I would have as a Monday night game. I love this. It's going to be a good one, man. It's going to be a good one. Well, Jonathan, man, thanks for joining us tonight. 
D.D. Westbrook won the Best Receiver in the Country Award. That's crap. Yeah. Uh, well, guess guess what? He gets to play an Auburn defense on January 2nd. I hope these awards go to his head because I know the Auburn team is going to sit back and that defense is going to be salivating at two Heisman finalists up there. They're going to get a chance to play on January 2nd. Don't you think that will spark the Auburn defense a little bit? Yeah, I've dealt with some Oklahoma fans. Uh, over the past uh, last weekend, and they think this is going to be a contest. Oklahoma is just going to blow Auburn out. Yeah, I'm, 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 I hope I hope Oklahoma's team's thinking the same thing because when Auburn crushes them, I'm going to savor and enjoy that victory. Yeah, the thing about Oklahoma is they haven't faced an offensive line like they they're about to face. They haven't faced a 240-pound running back that can run you over. They haven't faced a fullback like Chandler Cox. They haven't faced what they – I mean, but you don't see that in the Big 12. All you see is seven-on-seven drills going on. Well, it's going to be Cam Petway's show, on Johnson's show, the Cam Martin show. You're going to see a lot of speed on, on both sides, but the difference is imagine these defensive linemen for Auburn on, on turf, Jonathan, on that – on that, in those indoor, in that dome, be able to tee off on Baker Mayfield. I mean, it's – why do you keep having to repeat the same thing every year and you think it's going to change? I mean, we see Oklahoma line up against physical teams every time and they lose. Well, it's not going to be any different, and it's not because I'm an Auburn fan. I picked Clemson last year. Clemson was, what, a five-, six-point underdog over Oklahoma, and they dominated them. Well, that line in Oklahoma and Auburn's dropped to four. Well, it's probably going to drop more once people start realizing the matchups and you start looking at it. But anyway, just want to throw that out there. But Jonathan, Jason, everybody, take care. We will see you Sunday night, and we can talk about the Heisman. We'll talk about the NFL going on. What does 6 p.m. Eastern sound good? That's perfect for me. That's when we start our bowl breakdown. When did the bowls actually start? Uh, the 17th. Next, next Saturday? Yeah. Yeah, next Saturday. All right. So, so we got we got a week. So, we got a lot of bowl games to predict. And what I want to do on the show is how many bowl games are there? 40 or something like that? Yeah, 39 or 40. 30. Okay. What we're going to do is you and I are going to go through the bowl list, and we're going to rank by confidence. Number one being um, your most co- – I guess we can do it this way. Number Who's your number one most confident game? We'll do it that way. Number one, like 40, will be your least confident game, and we'll pick the winners. So how does that sound? But we, we may have to break that up over two shows, though. Um, but Yeah, with we'll the 30 games, sorry. Yeah, because I want to give you a little more – maybe we'll wait to do that to do a two – or three-hour show one night before the bowls start or something and, and do it that way. But I want to start breaking down these bowls as soon as possible. So, Jonathan, take care of yourself, man. Everybody out there, have a great rest of the week, and we'll see you Sunday. All right, y'all. Be good. You too.